0: section 9 of the romance of the romanovs this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Shreya sethi the romance of the romanovs by joseph martin Macab. section 9 the great peter continued The Patriarch of Moscow died in October, and Peter boldly refused to appoint a successor. It could not be pretended that such an institution was an essential part of the Russian tradition, as the Patriarchate of Moscow had been founded only by Boris Godunov. but the murmurs of the clergy may be imagined. Peter appointed instead a superintendent of the patriarchal throne, and through this man he got control of the wealth and affairs of the church a separate department took control of the monasteries and the czar made a bold attack upon his economic evil monasteries and convents were full of men and women who were religious only in name and dress frequently they took no vows and their sole intention was to enjoy the immunities the well-fed idleness and the frequent dissoluteness of the religious institutions as in other lands centuries of ignorant piety had showered wealth upon an institution which at first had won sympathy by its austerity and now retained it by hypocrisy such a condition when peter sought for war purposes every rouble he could get stirred his wrath and he had little piety to restrain him he regulated the incomes of the monasteries and convents in such fashion that they became less attractive to economic parasites and sensual hypocrites as time went on he increased the restrictions of monastic life and tried to compel the monks to teach or work to the dissenters he was naturally more lenient than his predecessors though he took advantage of their non-conformity to secure heavy fines for his treasury and to foreign heretics he gave complete liberty clergy monks and dissenters rode their discontent openly calling him antichrist but peter was content with an occasional execution or application of the note to some monks broad shoulders in seventeen twenty one he at length conceived a plan of church government and created the ecclesiastical college as the supreme clerical authority which became in time the holy synod his futile efforts to educate russia out of its morass for superstition and conservatism will be noticed later for the moment i would recall only how the mighty problems raised by the appalling condition of the country forced themselves upon him in the course of his one clearly conceived design the destruction of the swede when he thus saw an abuse he smote it angrily and unscientifically he had not the mood or mind to sit down to the elaboration of a constructive programme he probably devoted more time and more cheer to creating the rules and orgies of his mad ones than to the conception of a system of education in seventeen hundred one he after a mighty drinking bout with augustus made a fresh treaty with poland and renewed the war with sweden the war went on with varying success until in seventeen hundred and three peter took the marshy region which included the mouth of the river neva for some reason it may have been because it was believed that here Rurik and his brothers had entered russia the Tsar fell into the wildest rejoicing and began almost immediately to form a wooden settlement on the bank of the river this was the humble foundation of st petersburg it seems to have been at a later date that he conceived the idea of making it the new capital of russia and his choice has been very severely criticised for a metropolis it was too near sweden the great hostile power of the time and not easy of defence for commercial purposes it was inferior to riga or libao which he afterwards took and could only with great difficulty and sacrifice be converted at all into a centre of commerce but peter loathed moscow with its musty air of conservatism and its gilded palaces and churches he must have a new capital and a centre of the northern region he was gaining his genius was energy not insight or foresight with the labours of it is said hundreds of thousands of swedish prisoners whose lives were recklessly squandered he raised the primitive saint petersburg and embodied in it as he thought the new spirit of progress he was now creating with dim large vision of a great future and his wild dionysiac nature rejoiced in the labour and in the rewarding feast in the year seventeen hundred and four he took narva after a long and bloody siege and in his morbid nervous way with his wretched lack of self-control and chivalrous feeling he struck the brave swedish commander across the mouth For resisting so long, when the general was brought before him and with pitiful spite had the body of the man's wife dug up and thrown into the river. Still, he had to fight on for years with varying fortune. All the time, he wrung money out of his country and urged his generally incompetent and despised envoys abroad to get for him money and allies. Poland deserted him and made peace with Sweden and just at that time trouble arose in the south among the cossacks to divert his attention ivan mazipa the Hetman of the cossacks of little russia or the ukraine disliked finding taxes for peter and entered into negotiations with the swedes the ukraine was like most of russia full of bitter discontent there seemed some hope of securing independence a cossack chief whose daughter was seduced by mazeppa fled to peter and warned him but peter's insight failed as it often did and he handed the informer to mazeppa for punishment mazeppa continued to correspond with the swedes and promised cooperation if they invaded russia it was the early summer of seventeen hundred and eight before charles of sweden entered russia and peter decided to baffle him as napoleon would be baffled at a later date the russians fell back laying waste the provinces as they retired and drew the swedes on to spend a winter in the frozen plains the details do not concern us charles in time found himself threatened with famine mazipa found that he was at length stung into action that only two thousand of his cossacks would follow his adventurous banner and he packed his gold in two barrels and set out on his hopeless enterprise and Peter, reaping at last the reward of all his toil, fell upon the Swedes at Poltava and defeated them. It is true that King Charles was wounded, and the Swedish army worn and demoralized, and it is true that Peter, eager to celebrate his victory in the usual way, allowed the Swedes to retire more cheaply than a great commander would have done. But he had redeemed his failures, and had dealt a great blow at Sweden, incidentally he had done much to recover or gain his personal repute so badly shaken since he had fled at Nava. in the battle of poltava he faced the bullets and got one through his hat and another rather a disputable one this on the breast which broke its force miraculously on his jewelled cross he was soon back in moscow arranging a pageant he posed as hercules in the procession the next few years were spent in feverish dreams of larger armies and imperial expansion checked periodically by bad diplomacy and poor economics his generals took riga for him however and overran the baltic provinces then the wily swede roused on his flank a more terrible enemy than the cossack at the beginning of seventeen hundred and eleven he heard that the turks and the tatars were afield and he hurried south with forty-five thousand men also many thousand women and camp-followers for when the czar would take his catherine other officers would have their wives or some equivalent the result was that the large and unwieldy body soon found itself in a worse situation than that into which the russians had drawn charles an army of turks and tatars Four or five times as numerous as the Russians closed round them on the river Pruth, there was no escape from the many accounts of Peter's behaviour on that occasion. One seems bound to conclude that he lost his new courage and fell into a state of maudlin despair. It seems also to be a myth that his Catherine roused and saved him. His generals fortunately knew the venality of Turkish commanders and a very heavy bribe including apparently catherine's jewels passed to the grand vizier's camp the terms one would think were hardly worth so large a bribe peter was to evacuate Azov and all the territory in the south that he had taken from the turk he was to give up the baltic provinces to sweden except the district at the mouth of the neva for which he passionately pleaded and he was to pay a very large indemnity he swaggered back to moscow and endeavoured to brazen it out again he settled down to stern exertions to prepare an army and navy and seek allies in seventeen seventeen he went to paris in search of aid carefully leaving Catherine behind though as we shall see he had now married her his conduct was more sober than on the earlier journey though it was eccentric enough and gave paris food for talk for many years when they had at length found peter a lodging more or less to his taste he declared that the young king louis the fifteenth must come to see him and eager as he was to see the sights of paris he kept his hotel three days and nights in the hope of forcing the visit but we need not again enlarge upon his eccentricities he came away without hope of alliance and france played with him to the end of his life Two years later, he proposed to marry his daughter, Elizabeth, to Louis XV, having failed to get the grandson of George I. When that project was at last very firmly declined, he asked at least for a prince of the blood, and he was humoured with negotiations until he died. As we shall see, Elizabeth was the illegitimate daughter, legitimised by later marriage, of Peter and a peasant woman, who had been for a time almost common camp property in brief to make an end of wars peter took finland and beat the swedes on the baltic but he brought the terrible english fleet upon his new vessels a peace was arranged at Nystat in seventeen twenty one and for a payment of two million crowns peter was suffered to keep his gains on the baltic there was a stupendous flow of beer and wine and brandy at st petersburg peter lit the fireworks with his own hand and although the senate now gravely nominated him father of his country and emperor of all russias he mingled with the crowd wore a fancy dress and danced and sang and leaped onto tables like a schoolboy peter had therefore as a result of twenty years of costly warfare which embittered his subjects been permitted to buy the fringe of territory which brought his empire to the shores of the baltic the cossacks of the don and the ukraine were of course already subject to russia and were merely prevented from breaking away this and the creation of an army and navy and lowering of the prestige of sweden were his accomplishments on that side his other ventures in the way of expansion were crude and unsuccessful several times he made fruitless efforts to reach india and persia but was always defeated in 1721 the governor of astrakhan sent word that the turks would forestall his design upon persia and in the following may having peace with sweden he led one hundred thousand men south from astrakhan the expedition was poorly organized and had to return in some disgrace in the following year 1723 He made his last and wildest effort two frigates set sail secretly and hastily from the port of the capital and were presently driven back by storms these two vessels of poor capacity had actually been ordered by peter in the prime of his age to take the island of madagascar and possibly sail on from there to india peter had heard that the swedes were about to do this and had written a letter to the king of madagascar urging him to see that a russian was better than a swedish protectorate such was the value of the czar's famous training in shipbuilding that he insisted that a few useless alterations should be made and the boats should start again and he fell furiously upon his officers when they pointed out the impossibility the internal reforms which he effected were of that large violent and unsystematic character which one would expect from his nature i have described some of these and shown how they were in great measure angry and impulsive thrusts at evil which thwarted his plans brigandage was still very common on a large scale in russia and interfered with the industry which was to supply the sinews of war sir so peter attacked it vigorously mendicancy had as everywhere in the middle ages become an opportunity of virtue and a wicked leak of the nation's energy the lash of peter's knout fell upon the beggars men still killed each other instead of killing swedes and turks and peter forbade them to carry knives he fostered and protected home industries and sent young men to holland and italy to learn trades he spurred the native production of iron and copper sent expeditions in search of gold, dug miles of canals, and tried by heavy punishments to break Russian traders of their notorious dishonesty. He pressed reform in agriculture, introduced breeding studs, and slightly alleviated the lot of the serfs, who were now sold like cattle or negroes. He regulated municipal life, dividing the country into administrative areas, and created a senate. Nothing was done thoroughly, and all was done for the purpose of extracting, by a crude fiscal system and thoroughly dishonest officials, more money for the army and navy. Yet these were all valuable innovations, and they entitled Peter, as far as they went, to a name only a little less than great. His most beneficent design and his chief failure was in the matter of education, general illiteracy was still the rule in Europe russia was merely a few degrees worse than other countries in that respect but social visionaries were appearing here and there pointing out the connection between ignorance and crime and poverty and some of them found the ear of peter impulsively as usual he declared that he would have universal compulsory education in russia a yukasi of february twenty eighth seventeen eighteen ordered the opening of provincial schools and Peter rushed to other tasks. Five years later, he learned from an official report that one such school had been opened, and it had 26 pupils. He returned again and again to the subject, and failed as much from his own lack of patient study as from the general hostility of his subjects. His ideas of schooling were extremely crude, and they stultified themselves in practice. All that we can say is that, as in the case of most of the other reforms he did bring a few rays of light into the medieval darkness of russia and is for that entitled to grateful recognition had these reforms been associated with a different type of character they might very well in spite of their grave incompleteness dispose us to grant the title of peter the great but if that epithet is to measure the stature of the whole man we must strenuously refuse it the czar was energetic Persevering in the congenial tasks, even highly endowed in intellect, but his gifts and his accomplishments were marred by deep habitual vices and weaknesses, which made it ludicrous to call him a great man. To this aspect we turn again before we consider the closing tragedies of his reign. End of section nine. Recording by Shreya Seti.